Make your list, check it twice. Only we're not trying to find out who's naughty and who's nice. We're making a list and checking it twice because we have this great challenge. Actually, beyond challenge, it's a command to love one another. And some people are harder to love than others. To be fair, I should say it's harder for us to love some people than others. Or am I the only one? So take a moment to make your list. Check it twice. Who do you find hard to love? Who do you find easy to love? Go ahead. Really. Make a list. As followers of Jesus, we don't get to choose who we love. We are called, we are required, we are commanded to love one another and even to love our enemies. This time of year, we're inclined to focus on loving our families. That's a good place to start. Love is something we cannot take for granted. Whether it is loving our enemy or our neighbor or our family, we cannot take love for granted. And love is hard. If it were easy, everyone would be doing it. Part of what makes it so hard right now, though, is we have so many different understandings of love. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Sorry, sometimes I just can't help myself. We bring a close with this message to the four Sunday series on the Advent Conspiracy. We close it with love all. We started with worship fully, then spend less, then give more, and now love all. The movement of the Advent Conspiracy is to help us prepare for Christmas in a way that claims Christmas back from the consumerism that has taken it over. Now, to be fair, we are not all passive observers in this. We have been a part, to various degrees, of consumerism taking over Christmas. So we're going to do our part in taking it back, in returning, at least for us, the reason of the season to the Christ child, to God's great gift to and for us all. So we'll start with loving one's family. But of course, loving one's family isn't enough. Though for some of us at this time of year, loving our family would be a great step in the right direction. Some of us are, maybe secretly, thankful we don't get together with extended family this year. I, for one, will not miss every aspect of extended family gatherings that won't be happening this year for us. But things being different also make it harder to love. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that's one of the reasons that we don't all show love to our neighbors and our enemies as easily as we do to our families. Our neighbors and enemies and their behaviors take us by surprise and we react sometimes before we can think about how we want to act. I mean, loving your neighbor is going to take practice. Very few of us get it right on our first try. And how much more true is that of loving our enemies? So as I think about loving my family, I can't help but think about parenting. And I remember fondly back in the days when I knew everything about parenting. Or to be honest, I thought I did. And that was before I had children. Because once you have children, you very quickly know you don't know everything about parenting. You don't always get it right. But there was this time... Robbie, my oldest child, was about two, and Rob, my brother, um, 
was living near us. We, I was appointed at First Church Nacogdoches. Rob was at school at SFA, and he had come to visit one evening and brought a friend with him that evening. And it happened to be an evening that uh, Robbie was having trouble going to sleep because Robbie's parents had given Robbie some Dr. Pepper. It's what you do in Texas, right? You drink Dr. Pepper. Well, Robbie was having trouble getting to sleep, and Rob's friend decided to start pontificating. It's at least that's how I remember it feeling about how when they have kids, there's no way their kid that's this young is going to have caffeine. And I almost bit. I almost replied defensively. But I remembered there was a time when I, too, knew everything about parenting. Well, I find that in today's world, we're all offered opportunities, <clears throat> maybe almost every minute, to pick up this you're doing it wrong attitude and saying something out loud about that. For, for example, sticking with parenting. Some parents in our neighborhood asked on our Facebook group a couple weeks ago who it was that was letting their small child play outside without supervision. This person had been driving home and had to drive extra slowly, they said, because some eight-year-old was in the middle of the street. Well, I'm not sure how you know it's an eight-year-old if it's not your eight-year-old. And for the record, it wasn't my eight-year-old. So other people, then I presume their parents, but I don't know for sure, laid on. If your kids are under 10, they kind of decided you should be out there watching them. Again, I almost bit and almost replied, but it just wasn't worth it. Rachel and I have fought this battle a few years ago before either of our kids were anywhere near 8 or 10 when we'd let them go outside and play without being under our immediate minute-by-minute -minute supervision. And we had decided that because we were raised in a time, you know it, you've heard this, you might have said this. Back when I was a kid, mom had put us out in the morning and wouldn't let us come back in until sundown. I don't know if that's exactly true for you. It's not exactly true for me, but we decided as parents of young children that we have to let our kids learn to develop and play outside without always being under our thumb. And we realized that while we hear from one side this, man, back in the day, we'd, let, we'd make our kids stay out and play and we wouldn't supervise them, to the other side. The other side are the ones that watch way too many police procedurals because they have seen all the abductions and they have seen all the serial murders and they know that if a kid leaves your sight for three seconds, that kid's gone. So you don't dare let them out of your sight until they're 30. I don't know, but we realized that parent shaming is huge and we don't want to play into that. I don't want to be a part of share parent shaming or sharent paming either. And if I don't know you very well, I sure don't know you well enough to judge your parenting based on some 12 second observation that I've made. And if I'm supposed to love you, well then I ought to get to know you before I offer any kind of judgment or recommendation. And then of course, if I still have something judgmental to say, but I love you and you love me, and I treat you like I love you, you might actually listen to what I think you need to hear. Now, I believe we can do this without getting rid of social media. I mean, 
that seems like the simplest answer, right? Because we're all inclined to blame social media. But what if? What if we checked our prejudgments at the outset? What if we committed to talking to and listening to people who are clearly and obviously different in the way they think about everything or some things than we are? Do you know anybody who clearly and obviously disagrees with you on at least a couple things? Yes, you do. They're on that list you made when I invited you to make a list and check it twice. Love them. Love them all. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own advantage. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a record of complaints. It isn't happy with injustice, but is happy with the truth. Love puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. If loving all was easy, everyone would be doing it. And look, loving everyone isn't a requirement for church membership, even though it's a commandment for following Jesus. So I wonder, if we asked everyone who joined the church something like, will you commit to love everyone, your family, your neighbors, and your enemies? Should we expect them to answer yes? Would you answer yes? Would you accept a, I'll try? If you would accept an I'll try, let me ask you this way. If you are or ever have been or ever hope to be married, imagine yourself at the altar saying your vows and when your opportunity comes and your appropriate response is I do, instead you say, I'll try. Or if the person you're marrying says, I'll try, would you accept that as though they said, I do? It's a little bit different. If you're married, you do try. And you realize, not very far into your marriage, that you didn't know your spouse nearly well enough to make the kind of lifetime commitment to them that you did, but you did because you know that you love them. And your commitment to loving them doesn't require that you know everything about them or even everything about yourself. Your commitment to loving them requires you to act like you love them. Which reminds me, a few weeks ago I was talking to a group and I mentioned DC Talk's song, Love is a Verb. You know, DC Talk, they're a Christian rap group from the 90s. Now, if you think Christian and rap can't go together, that kind of tells me something about your list. But, anywho, the love we're commanded to love our neighbors and enemies with isn't a feeling, it's an action. You can't control your feelings, but you can control your actions. You can act in a way that loving your neighbor and loving your enemy actually shows. When you don't feel like loving your family, act like you love them. When you don't feel like loving your enemy, act like you like love them. When you don't feel like loving your neighbor, act like you love them. It is not simple, or it is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. I mean, I don't always follow through on this, but when I do, it makes a difference in how I feel that makes further distance difference in how I treat others. For example, Rachel and I took a trip to Vegas about a year and a half ago. We like to take trips every year or so, just the two of us, 
time together. And I had never been to Vegas. So we went. We went for three or four days. It was a quick trip. And on our way back, we got to the airport and received an email that our flight had been delayed a couple hours. By the time we got through security, we got a follow-up that our flight had been delayed at least four hours. I don't mind admitting to you now, because we have this trust relationship, I was not a very good customer when I got to the gate agents. In fact, I milked that delay for all it was worth. I got $100 in food vouchers from them for all that we were going through. And I think they did it just to get me to leave them alone. And I can't blame them. So now I'm on the hunt in McCarran Airport to spend every dime of the $100 of food vouchers that I got. Because, man, I'm taking it to the airline. And I went to the first restaurant I could find ordered as much as I could think to get and got to the cashier and showed them the vouchers and they said, oh, we don't take vouchers from that airline. So I went to Hudson News because Hudson News is in every airport ever. They're going to take the vouchers of the airlines, right? Wrong. Well, I finally found somebody that would take the vouchers and I bought all but $7 or so worth of food on those vouchers. It was more than I could fit in our backpacks because we weren't going to be able to eat all that food in just that short amount of time. And suddenly it struck me. It might have struck me through a recommendation of my loving wife. I don't know for sure. I'm going to give some of this food to those gate agents that I had treated so poorly. Because they don't deserve that. They don't deserve to be treated that way. It's not their fault the airplane is late. In fact, even if it is, they don't deserve to be treated the way I had treated them. So I took a few minutes to show them a little bit of love and gave them some of the food. Now, I don't know if that made up for the way I treated them before. I don't know if it affected them at all, but I know after my performing that act of love, I felt better. You might say this time of year, I think my heart grew three sizes in that simple act of love, which when I started, I didn't really feel like doing, but I committed to doing it because we are commanded to love all. Will you love all this week? Will you remember this at the most challenging time of this coming week when you need to show love even when you don't feel love? Are you willing to let the goodness and grace of God fill you enough to act like you love your family, your neighbors, your enemies until you might start to feel like you love your family, your neighbors, and your enemies. Let God lead you. Because God didn't count the way we had treated him against us, but sent Jesus anyway. God so loved the world. May we love all this week.
Hey, thank you for listening to this podcast by Ovilla United Methodist Church. We appreciate all of your time. So may God bless you and keep you. Grace and peace to you.